Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. Welcome to the show, week 18 of the regular season, and Denver will not be playing a meaningful football game, John, right? Broncos, among the week 17 carnage, claimed a lot of teams, including the Dolphins and the Browns, other teams that were trying to hang in the playoff mix and I think even if we saw this coming you and I both did I think back when the Broncos kind of kind of let us know we're not going out quietly we're going to stay in this thing we both kind of said we looked at the schedule we're like yeah I see this thing petering out so it's not like we're surprised but still a tough week right as a fan knowing the fun part is about to start it's coming the playoffs and we're not going to be a part of it again that's that's still a tough week to kind of swallow. Yeah, and you and I were talking, Ryan, before the before recording today, that just that it's it's kind of like a dead rubber game for the Broncos. But uh, I mentioned it's nice that at least we got all the way to week eighteen of the season, week seventeen last year. Like they weren't officially eliminated, even going into their game against the uh, going into their game, they still had a chance. And then obviously when they lose their limit, so I'm glad that like at least like. There are some teams that a couple of weeks ago were eliminated from playoff contention. And even though we knew, like we knew it was unlikely, just the fact that it was possible, it, was, it still it made the games just feel a little bit more meaningful. Now this game on Saturday, it really does feel kind of meaningless, at least from Denver's perspective. And that's kind of a bummer. But one to be kind of pessimistic about it, one nice thing is Denver will be put out of its misery before any other team this season <laughs> because they play on Saturday in the first window. So even if they beat the Chiefs being eliminated from the playoffs already, the Broncos, their season's going to be over before anyone else's. So at least, you know, we can move on to the offseason by Saturday night and be talking about fun stuff like free agency and the draft and whatnot. So it. There's not meaningful football left, but uh, we'll be wrapping things up here soon. I'm, I'm super, super pessimistic about it. I'm sorry, but I think probably all Broncos fans kind of feel that way. Yeah, can't blame them. And we can root, we can hope that they spoil the Chiefs' quest for a number one seed, right? That's why this game got flexed. It's because the NFL's building up that Chiefs-Titans race for the number one seed. Maybe the Broncos could uh, screw up the Chiefs' chances. Probably not, but we'll get into that game. We'll talk about that matchup. Uh, quick reminder that you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Just a note to the listener. Search for the Broncos Wire, and don't forget to hit subscribe. You should be able to find us. And now, if fans want to be annoyed about the team getting blasted by the Chargers, which a team that, that should not be that much better than them, right? But they got blasted by the Chargers, eliminated from playoff contention, clinched last place in the AFC West for a second straight year. I don't blame fans if they're going to be upset about that, right? Because... After teasing us a little bit with that big win over Dallas following the Vaughn Miller trade, we were all ready to throw in the towel, right? We were all, all of us, we're like, okay, fine. It's on the 2022. You traded Vaughn Miller. Who else is going to go? Like, let's go. Let's, let's move on. But no, the Broncos didn't do that, right? They came back. 
Vic Fangio with the finger wagging, all the players talking playoffs this, playoffs that, all the way through. They kind of got our hopes up a little bit, you know, for Broncos country, and it all ended in another failed season for Denver. So I can't blame fans for being disappointed and frustrated and pissed at the team. But for me, where they're at, I'm fine with missing the playoffs this year, John. I mean, it was a bridge year. The Broncos were never going to win anything of substance. And I, I kind of felt it like, you know, you remember back earlier in the season, the Chiefs were in the basement. What were they, like three and four? They weren't playing very well. We were making fun of them. And all of a sudden, they kind of turned it on. They looked like the Chiefs again. And you kind of felt it right then. It's like, oh, man, it's going to be tough for Denver to win the division. And now they're playing for the wild card. And, you know, you know, anything can happen there. So I started to like their chances less as the Chiefs started turning it on. But now you, when you think about it, like now with them being out of it, you can just continue to build the team. You have the ammo to fire Vic Fangio, which I think the team should do, and we'll talk about that here. You also pick number 11 in the draft right now, and it could climb into the top 10 depending on what happens here. If you lose to the Chiefs and other things happen, you could drop into the top 10. You have a bunch of cap space. I don't think last week should be a depressing result for Broncos country. That's all I'm saying. But I do agree with people being frustrated and disappointed. I don't blame them for that because Vic Fangio and the players, they gave us reason to be frustrated. They kind of made us buy in again. But at the end of the day, when we look at this team and we go into the offseason, I'm not depressed. I think they're in an okay spot. And, you know, there's plenty to feel like good about for the future, even if we're not playing in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I see what you're saying, because if if they like squeaked into the playoffs as the very last seed in the AFC and they play like the number two seed, which could end up being like the Chiefs and say the Chiefs in Kansas City blow them out of the water, then that's going to be miserable. And then you get a much lower draft pick. Like if they lose this game, they probably will lose this game. And if a couple other teams help them out, like they could pick as high as seventh overall in the draft. So I see what you mean, just like taking emotion out of it. Like if, if you just step back and look at it, it's like, okay, yeah, they probably weren't going to do anything in the playoffs. Now hopefully they're going to get a nice high draft pick. So I get that. I think the primary reason fans are just – bothered by it is like you alluded to fans had hope like we had reason to believe the Broncos could do something because like they've shown us they showed us in that Cowboys game like that's what they're capable and the defense showed us multiple times this season that like they even slowed down the Chiefs earliest year like they they lost to the Chiefs and yeah I guess that was kind of when the Chiefs were in their slump but even still like they they shut down the Cowboys offense like when they played the Bengals they shut down Jamar Chase who's just been incredible this year so it's just it just feels like kind of a wasted opportunity to get a head start with this young core especially this this talented defense I feel like it's just a wasted season and even Vic Fangio this week he talked about how the Broncos are close they're so close like they're just they just got to get over the hump and I think fans have seen that and fans think that and but it's kind of also felt like that for several years now where it's like we're just so close we're so close we just got to get over the hump and then the Broncos come out and play like they did against the Cowboys and then we're thinking like okay now they've turned a corner now we can get back in playoff contention and snap our postseason drought and then it just it goes down from hill downhill from there and the last few weeks have just been super frustrating because it just feels like yeah maybe they're not like they're not the Chiefs yet and maybe they won't be for a while, and maybe they're not a playoff team yet, but it just feels like they're underperforming to what they could be at this very moment. Talking about this Chargers game, as I said, they got roasted by the Chargers, but to be fair, you know me, I'm not always fair, so I'm going to be. I'm gonna try to be fair. They were missing 12 active roster players due to COVID-19, and Drew Locke hurt his shoulder. So let's, you know, I'm going to be fair. What annoyed you the most, though? I mean, what, what was this the final straw for you with Pat Shermer calling this this Philly special play, which I know you have some opinions on. 
Or, you know, we couldn't just keep Brett Rippon in. We had to bring in Drew Locke with one arm, right? Like, that thing continues with this team. Like, what annoyed you the most, given what their limitations were due to COVID in that situation? Yeah, probably Pat Shermer annoyed me the most. Drew Locke, I don't think they would have sent him back in if they didn't think he was capable to play through it. So I wasn't, like, frustrated that he went back in, but I did think it was kind of dumb when shortly after he comes back in, they run a QB sneak with him. It's like, is that very smart when he has a banged up shoulder? And then, like you mentioned, the Philly special they came back to later, he caught the ball and got hit yet again and even driven into the ground again. I was like, my goodness, guys, like you're, you're not trying to protect him at all when he's clearly banged up. So that was kind of frustrating, just the way they treated him once he came back into the game. Not so much that they sent him back out into the game, because clearly they thought... Not to cut you off here, John, but it's like, it goes back to our the- my theory, at least. They hate Drew Locke. They hate him. I know so you they just, say that. They just, they just put him back out there to kill him. <laughs> I, I hope not. Trying I, to finish I, him I, off. We're saying that in jest. But yes, we are. It just, the Philly special itself, I think under normal circumstances, I wouldn't be that bothered by it because the, the Chargers DB that came off the edge, I don't know that. I don't. It didn't really seem like he was doing a blitz. I think he just read it like perfectly well and was like, oh, I think this is coming back. And he just shot in and blew it up. And that was a great job by him. And if if like maybe he wants it as a wear or if he wants it in that spot, like it's possible that the play could have worked. And if they have Kendall Hinton throw a touchdown pass, I probably would have been like, okay, cool. Pat Shermer, you know, he's being creative. He's letting them have some fun. He got Kendall Hinton to throw a touchdown pass. That's so cool for Kendall Hinton. And I wouldn't have been, I, I wouldn't have been that, uh, bothered uh, even if it it didn't work like it didn't work in normal circumstances i'd be like well i'm not that mad about it in general because it wasn't a terrible idea but i think sunday once in normal circumstances because like you said they were missing 12 guys including their starting right tackle and the guy that blew the play up came from the right tackle spot and i don't know maybe bobby massey wouldn't have taken care of him either but i i can't help but wonder if you have your full strength team does that play go a little bit better? And like, why is Mike Boone, a guy who barely ever plays on offense, the the running back that's taking the ball initially? So I just think with them being depleted, with them missing some guys, and also like they didn't really have practice this week. They only had walkthroughs, so they didn't practice that play at full speed all week. And it, it was not your typical starting offense, not all of your typical starting offense. So just the timing of it, I was like, that doing this play in general, I don't hate, but doing it right now in this moment, it's like, I don't think that was your, your best case scenario. And you say, am I fed up with Pat Shermer? Like not from that, not from this week. I was fed up with Pat Shermer weeks ago. Like he's got to be the first one to go on black Monday. I agree. I agree. And we have some thoughts on that. I'm going to throw that at you later on in the show too, John. And we've been doing this podcast long enough that you know what I'm going to say. So that's, that, that means we're getting somewhere. That means we're getting somewhere, John. That's a good thing. Um, all right, just we're gonna shift gears here away from this debacle of a game. I want to talk about Dan Reeves a little bit. He passes away at the age of seventy-seven, an important figure for the Broncos, right? Uh, reached some Super Bowls as a running back. He was a coach, uh, and John Elway is calling for Reeves to be a Hall of Famer. And I think that was the most surprising thing when I was reading stuff on Dan Reeves. John is that he's not yet. Dan Reeves isn't in the Hall of Fame, so you have to imagine it's just a matter of time, right? And why? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, like you said, he, he reached nine Super Bowls, only Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. They're the only individuals that reached more Super Bowls than him. And I'm guessing that the biggest holdup, like, I don't know, Ryan, if, you'll, if you've ever heard this, but Broncos fans, they always talk about 
East Coast bias for like the Hall of Fame. Like there's a bunch of Steelers, there's a bunch of Patriots. And, you know, you are Steelers fans or Patriots fans and they say, well, the Steelers and Patriots are better than them. But Broncos fans will say, you know, Denver went to, you know, eight Super Bowls as well. And they just don't get the love that some of those other former dynasties get. So I think I honestly think that might be part of it. Like if he reached nine Super Bowls and he was the Steelers coach, I think it might be a different conversation. And I think the fact that he never won a Super Bowl as a head coach, I think that hurts him. But even still, he reached four Super Bowls as a head coach and he did it with two different teams. Only four coaches have ever done that. So that's super impressive. And of the former coaches that were head coaches and went to four different Super Bowls, all of them are in the Hall of Fame. So I think he I think he's going to get in. I think it's just uh, for whatever reason, he hasn't been a priority for voters yet. But I, I have a feeling within probably a few years here, I think he probably will be in the Hall of Fame. John, earlier in the show, you mentioned Black Monday. I have a question about that and our questions of the week. Let's get to that right after this. This is the typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. To week 18 of the fantasy football season, I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays in case you're still in the championship hunt. Quarterback Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Risky for sure, but he has some weapons left in the passing game, and the Buccaneers have given up plenty of fantasy points to the position in the 2021 season. Eight quarterbacks have gone over the 20-point mark, and while Darnold barely managed half of that in Week 16, he faces a Tampa defense for the second time that may take an opportunity to get a little healthier before the more important work begins. Running back Deontay Foreman, Tennessee Titans at Houston Texans. Foreman should be a fixture in lineups, provided Derrick Henry doesn't return. And he's still useful as a flex, even if Henry does come back. The Texans have given up the most fantasy points per game to running backs in the last five weeks, and the third most on the year. No team has permitted touchdowns at a higher frequency, and this is the number two matchup for rushing yards per game since we Week 12. Wide receiver Cyril Grayson, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Carolina Panthers. Thrust into increased playing time due to injury, among other predictable outcomes, Grayson has been explosive each and every time he's been granted a chance to show it. In Week 8 versus the New Orleans Saints, he housed his only target on a 50-yarder. In the past two games, he has 11 targets, turning them into 9 receptions for 162 yards and a score. Tom Brady will play in this one, and the bizarre ending to Antonio Brown's career as a Buccaneer opens the door for Grayson to see at least a half dozen targets versus a Carolina secondary that's banged up and has given up a ton of PPR points in recent weeks. Tight end Hunter Henry, New England Patriots at Miami Dolphins. In the last five weeks, Henry has scored twice, both coming in Week 15's 25.7 point outburst against an Indianapolis defense that struggles versus tight ends. He has no more than three catches for 37 yards in any of the other matchups in that time, and he managed just 31 yards on three grabs in Week 1 versus Miami. In fairness, that was his first game with New England, and it was quarterback Mac Jones' NFL debut. Miami has allowed two scores to the position in the last four games, coming at the eighth highest frequency, and and this is the 10th best opponent to face for yards per game since week 12. The fun doesn't stop at the huddle. Be sure to check us out at thehuddle.com for more award-winning fantasy football tips, news, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's that part of the show. It's our questions of the week. Three questions for John. He is completely in the dark on these. I've not shared these questions with him. So here they come, John, right at you. Uh, The first one, like I said earlier, is a Black Monday question. We can all safely assume, I think, that Pat Shermer and Tom McMahon will be fired. Let's just hope so. But I actually think the first one that should go to be should be Vic Fangio. You know that. I've been talking about that for a long time. Where are you at on that now, John, after these past three weeks? I know you, I, I'm guessing your stance might have changed over the last three weeks. I just want to know where you're at with Vic Fangio getting fired right now. Yeah, as, as we've talked about it this season, I've kind of said because he has one year left on their contract and because the team's expected to be sold, I kind of assumed maybe they'll just – because Joe Ellis and John Elway are presumably on their way out because their contracts are running up in the spring and around the time the team's expected to be sold. So I think maybe they just leave him in place and new ownership comes in, inherits Vic Fangio, and then after the following season, the new owner, assuming there is one, can then decide, you know, do you fire him, do you give him an extension or whatever. And that's kind of been – my operating assumption, but after these last three weeks, like I know it wasn't likely, like even we said it wasn't likely. And I know they would have needed some help from other teams, but they truly did have a shot to get into the playoffs here at the end of the season. And just the last few weeks have just been so bad. And now going into this chiefs game, they're already eliminated. You have a feeling like this game could get, get away from them. And so just Finishing the season with such a sour taste in your mouth, it's really hard for me to picture him keeping his job, especially because the more I think about it, I'm like, what does it really matter if a new owner inherits Fangio or inherits another coach? Like the following year, they can decide if they want to, you know, fire or keep the coach regardless of who it is. So I, I think maybe I was overthinking that a little bit. And I think maybe ownership won't really have much of a this ownership situation may not have that much of an influence on their decision on Fangio. Yeah, Fangio keeps telling us how close they are, but you're in last place again. You're in last place. You know, come on. You know, it's it's time to move on from Fangio. And, you know, I just thought that he just rubs me the wrong way. As you know, John, I'm not a fan. Like when they asked him about his uh, head coach, whether he should be back next year, and he said, absolutely, or whatever, you know, he just does that thing. It's like, he doesn't give that politically correct response. He does that Fangio <laughs> thing, and I can't stand him. I hope they move on, but we'll see. That's a, that's a topic for the offseason. And this next question for you was inspired about the offseason, inspired about college football, which is, I guess, where our attention now has to turn. John, we have to look at the college game and the draft and what's going on there. And I think the hot topic out of, college, uh, you know, out of the biggest college football weekend of the year, which is right around New Year's, is whether players are selfish or justified when they opt out of these bowl games to prepare for the NFL draft, it seems like everybody feels either one way or the other. Nobody's in the middle. How do you, where do you stand on that polarizing topic? I'm not really bothered by it because I think if you don't make the playoff, the bowl game, the other bowl games are basically meaningless. Like they're not meaningless, but it doesn't really count for much. And they're college players that are like, they can get paid by like their endorsement deals, but they're not getting paid by the college. Like, absolutely not getting paid what their value is because we see when they go into the nfl how much money they get paid that's what their value is so like we know what uh professional football players like what they bring to a college football program or, or an nfl team like they they make the program a lot of money and they're not really getting a cut of it so i don't really have a problem 
of them opting out of a game that I think is basically meaningless because if, if they get, if they tear their ACL, like Jake, Bud, a former Broncos tight end, when he was at Michigan, he was projected to maybe be a first round pick. And then he tears his ACL. And I think they got him in like the fifth round. And then he never really recovered from that ACL. And now his career is probably over just a couple years later. He never, he was never able to catch on the NFL because of, well, he had a couple ACL injuries actually. And if he hadn't played in that bowl game, like how different could have his career been? He probably would have been a first, if not a first, at least a second round pick. So when I see stuff like that, I have no problem with a guy opting out of it. Cause you got to think like as a football player, the average duration of a career in the NFL is only like three years or even less than three years anyway. So you only have so much time as a football player to make money. So you don't want to risk before you even get a chance to go pro. You don't want to risk that in a game that, to me, I think it's kind of meaningless. What do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm going to take it a step further. Um, you know, I live out in the East Coast, so I'm going to, this is going to be, no one's going to be surprised. I live in New Hampshire. So who's the big college football team out here? Boston College? And come on, there's, I don't live in like college football. Like, so my in laws, if they listen to this, and they don't, they don't want to support me, John. But if they're listening to this, uh, they're out in Ohio where college football is like the world, the Buckeyes, all that. They'll probably, they'd probably be all over me. But for me, I'm going to say, they are meaningless. These bowl games are meaningless. You know, except for like making the NCAA and these in these universities money. They're meaningless to the kids. And once you're once you're not playing for a championship, screw the bowl games. I know you said basically meaningless. I'm just gonna say they're meaningless. They're meaningless. How can you knock a player for making sure they avoid injury to realize their dream and play in the NFL and prepare for the draft? How can you knock them? to go play in the, like the shake your booty bowl or whatever the hell it is. Like, come on. Uh, I think that's the most ridiculous uh, argument ever. And yeah, Jake Butt is a great example. Jalen Smith is another one. You know, the linebacker tore his, his uh, ACL or he blew up his knee and he was going to be a high pick. He ended up getting picked later on in the draft by the Cowboys and he just, he didn't pan out. He didn't pan out. He's now, he's basically out of the league now. I think he's on the Giants, but I mean, he's been, he's bounced around from the Cowboys to the Packers to the Giants. His career is probably over now. So, yeah, don't give me that. Don't give me that. I'm with you, John. But, again, i got to take it to the extreme because that's, that's what I do. Uh, all right, question number three, assuming the blockbuster trades for Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson fall through. And let's be honest, they likely will. We'll talk about them, John, but they likely will fall through. Buy or sell Marcus Mariota as a free agent target for the Broncos this offseason? Uh, as a like, veteran mentor and you draft someone, sure, I would buy that. But as to be the next temporary bridge guy like Bridgewater this year, I would sell that. Like, I don't I don't want to go through that again. But if they're thinking like we love this guy in the draft, but in case he's not ready, we got to have like a veteran in place. I'd be OK with that if, if they're going after a, a rookie prospect. But just as a, well, until we get it solved, we're just going to go with him. Like, no. So I the context, I think. Uh, determines my answer for that. So you're saying Bridgewater greater than Mariota? Yeah, I'm saying I, I don't want another short-term solution. <laughs> okay, I got you. I actually, like, Mariota's intriguing to me. Yeah, he's good in the run game. I think we're seeing that with the Raiders. The RPO thing with Javante Williams and possibly Melvin Gordon, too, if they bring him in, that could be problematic. And he's got he's got a pretty good arm, and I don't know, he's probably cheaper than if you're thinking about signing Teddy Bridgewater again. Like, He's probably cheaper than Teddy Bridgewater. And you know what? I just think the Broncos would be more fun to watch. If I had to do another bridge quarterback, why not Marcus Mariota, right? Like, 
isn't this the most boring offense in the world to watch, John? Like the Broncos right now. I mean, and maybe that's Pat Shermer's fault. Maybe he getting rid of him could fix it. But wouldn't Mar- Mariota be a little bit more fun? I don't know. I'm just trying to make Broncos games a little bit more interesting, I guess. I don't disagree. It would make the offense more fun. I, I would enjoy watching him more than Bridgewater because I love like the read options and a run-heavy offense. I really like that. So like you're saying, if they're doing that with him, I wouldn't be super mad about it. I just I'm, – I'm sick of, you know, like a Case Keenum, a Joe Flacco, a Teddy Bridgewater. Like we've gone through this, and it's just not working. Like I want a clear like direction – either with like a young rookie quarterback who you think is going to be the franchise guy or, you know, go get someone that already is a franchise guy, which you are saying will not happen with Rodgers and Wilson. But like you said, we can push that topic down the road a little bit. All right, John, I hear what you're saying. You're just done with the bridge year. You're done with the bridge year. That's fair. Um, We have one more game left. Chiefs Broncos flex to Saturday. We'll talk about that in the spread and make one more prediction for the 2021 regular season right after this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicap and homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chargers favored three and a half in Las Vegas. The total sitting at 49 and a half. I'm taking the three in the hook with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are six and four against the spread as an underdog. The Chargers are four and six against the spread as a favorite. The Raiders may be getting tight end Darren Waller back, and I have this game as a pick so you give me the extra three and a half points with the home underdog and a must win, I'll take the Raiders. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? I'll also be taking the Raiders. The Chargers have the third worst rush defense in the NFL, and the Raiders have been forced feeding it to Josh Jacobs with at least 15 carries over his last three. Give me the Raiders three and a half. A Legion will be rocking. That was your Typico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Chiefs-Broncos have been flexed to Saturday in Denver. Why, John? Because the NFL is building up the Titans-Chiefs battle for the number one seed, right? As we said, so if Broncos fans haven't suffered enough, the NFL has decided to uh, make us all watch this finale where all eyes will be on Kansas City fighting for that number one seed. All the commentators will be fawning over Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is what oh we're getting goodness. on Saturday, John, right? This is, it's going to be painful. <laughs> it is, yeah. And just like you just saying that about Patrick Mahomes, like I hadn't even thought about that, but that just that's just the cherry on the top. You're so right. That is so going to happen. And Broncos fans are so, so sick of that because we know he's a great quarterback. Like obviously he's a great quarterback, but sometimes they act like 
he'll do like a sidearm that Aaron Rodgers has done so many times or do something that like Warren Moon did so many times or like Steve Young, like Brett Favre, even John Elway. Like we've seen this before, but they just act like he's, he's accomplishing stuff that no one could even dream of doing. It's like, just let's calm down. You could, you could tell I am a Broncos supporter with uh, how irked I am at the gushing praise for Mahomes. He is amazing. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFL, but the commentators get so carried away. So you, you pushed me over the top there, Ryan. They're getting good and lathered up right now. Those commentators, John, they can't wait. They cannot wait to gush over Patrick Mahomes all game long. One thing that we could talk about with this game is the quarterback, right? Teddy Bridgewater still in concussion protocol and doesn't sound like he's going to play John and good. Good. I'm I'm glad. I I don't think I never thought we should see Teddy Bridgewater again after that second concussion. That was scary. I hope he doesn't play. I hope it's Drew Locker, Brett Rippon, right? That's kind of where I'm at. I'm sorry, Ryan. I didn't mention it to you. Just as we were starting to record, they did put him on injured reserve. Okay, there it is. Okay. Thanks. So okay, he good. he is out for this game, and actually it came out from Mike Kliss of Nine News. He reported that when he got that second concussion, they planned to not play him in the final three games, but they didn't put him on injured reserve, holding out hope that they might make the playoffs and he might come back for the playoffs. And to give, like, for competitive reasons, like, they don't want the Chiefs or the Chargers or whoever to know for sure, okay, there's no chance Bridgewater's coming back in this game. So, for competitive reasons, they dragged it out. Now that they're eliminated, it doesn't matter, so he's on IR. But they were always planning to take it easy with him, and that's what you wanted them to do. And I agree. I think that that was the smart thing to do. There's no reason to risk, you know, damaging his brain more than it has been getting two concussions in just a couple months. Like that's really serious. Okay. Yeah. I, I retract my scathing comments about the Broncos uh, with that news. Cause I thought they played that perfectly. Then they played that right. I'm all bored how they played that. That's good. Okay. So Broncos chiefs, we know the Broncos, they play Kansas city a lot, right? John, they know how to play them. I think Fangio has a good idea of how to slow down that offense. They play them tough. The chiefs are 10 and a half point favorites in Denver, right? The Chiefs have something to play for, the number one seed. The Broncos don't, except for just like hating Kansas City and trying to beat them at home. Uh, so what do you think about that spread? Ten and a half. That's a lot of points. You know, maybe I learned my lesson. I backed the Broncos last game. What was it? Like eight? They were eight point favorites in Kansas City. I backed I think the, it was nine and a half. Nine and a half. And I backed the Broncos and it didn't work out for me. So should I be backing the Chiefs with ten and a half this time? Because they have something to play for. Yeah, I... For Sports Weekly, for USA Today, I write the previews for the Broncos home games. So I did my very last Sports Weekly preview of the season, and we have to put a score prediction in that. And I don't really like doing <laughs> such a specific score prediction, but I have to. So I put the Chiefs winning 23-16. to 16. So that would be seven points. So now I can't go back on my word and be like, well, I wrote seven points, but now I'm predicting you know, a bigger spread than that. So my official prediction is they will keep it under – that that spread but i'm not like overwhelmingly confident about that because you know me ryan i always think the broncos should have a chance against the chiefs and like you're saying they're familiar with them like a divisional rivalry game anything can always happen so i'm not ruling out the possibility that the broncos could at least give them a tough time but at the same time you know the broncos are eliminated like you said the chiefs they have everything to play for the broncos have literally nothing to play for and like of course the players they don't want to get humiliated but like it's just it's different when you're playing for the top seed in the playoffs and playing in a meaningless game maybe for coaches that you're not happy about and can't wait until they're gone like 
it might be a little hard for players to get up to this game and it could be the kind of game where it really gets away from the Broncos. Like I, you could see this becoming a blowout game. So officially I predicted it to be within seven points, but I'm not overwhelmingly confident about that. So approaching this game, like a sports better, we also have to take in into concern, like Locke's shoulder. Now I saw earlier in the week, John, it was to be determined still with him. Uh, have we learned any new stuff? Like I know there was pressers today. We're talking on Wednesday. So was there uh, was there any new news on Locke? Yeah, he's practicing. It, it seems like he'll be okay. okay. They gave him a shot for the game last week. I assume he'll just get a shot again. And hopefully they don't try to run him in the ground with QB sneaks this time <laughs> around. But going into the game, I think he's trending towards playing. Okay, so Locke with a one numb arm, right? He won't, he won't be able to feel anything in one of his arms. Uh, do we trust that the offense will be able to move the ball and compete, right, without – we know Teddy's out. So do we feel good about the offense? Because there's been some stagnant periods over the last few weeks. There's no other way to put that. Yeah, no, I don't. Because it's been nice that Locke in his first, his last two starts, his first starts of the season, he has no turnovers. And that's great. But he also only has one touchdown. And that touchdown was basically in garbage time. So, like, I'm glad that Locke seems like he's kind of take a step forward to protect the ball a little bit. But I don't know if it's a coincidence or maybe because he's not pushing it down the field as much. It's it's hurting the, his scoring overall. But like he just he hasn't been putting up points in the two games he started. So and the Chiefs defense like they, they don't have a bad defense. They had a stretch earlier this year when the defense was bad. But I don't think it was a coincidence that Chris Jones was out for that stretch. He's so he's so important to their defensive line. So with their defense healthy again, like they're very capable of just giving the Broncos a very hard time, especially if they stack the box and try to shut down the run like what the Raiders did. Like if you take away the Broncos run game, like their offense is just basically incompetent. I mean, the, the offense has kind of been incompetent all year anyway. But like if you take away the one thing that they are good at, like the Broncos, they're just not going to score a lot of points. So I agree. It could it could be a very low scoring game for Denver. I think going into this final week here, this final weekend. And as we move on to the off season, I just want to say uh, to any listener that's held on this long, we appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you subscribe. We hope you tell a friend and John, thanks for showing up every single week during an 18 week regular season, man. It's, it's always fun doing the show with you, and, and you definitely brought it every single week, man. Yeah, Ryan, thank you. You're the pro here, so thank you for helping me along with the podcast. And thank you, like you said, to the listeners. Like You can't have a podcast without listeners, so thank you to everyone that has tuned in, even in an underwhelming season for the Broncos. We really appreciate it. Yeah, anybody who's listened uh, more than once, no, I'm no pro. But thank you, John. I appreciate the compliment. I really do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun, even if the Broncos aren't moving on. We'll be back next week to start talking offseason and wrapping that thing up. So for John, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks again. We'll catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. 
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.